Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. One of the sponsors has been with us from the beginning is our friends out in North Carolina, Highland Canine at Tactical Police Canine, letter K number nine, training.com. They are full service from top to bottom, left to right, north, south, east to west. They have everything, pointy ears, floppy ears, whatever you want, and they are a full service kennel doing seminars as well as handler schools for complete, completed dogs and as well as green dogs. So be sure to hit them up, Highland Canine at tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. The Pergasons are fantastic people. Uh, Jason's been on the podcast as well, so go hook, look up his episode. Our uh, One of my favorite sponsors is Dogtra. Uh, the folks over at dogtra.com, they've been doing this for a long time, guys. Um, their e-collars, bark collars, everything they do, we love it. We have a great relationship with them. Uh, they give a discount code WDR10 for 10% off any single item over $200. I tell everybody I have a kennel full of Dogtra e-collars. Most importantly, I have a kennel full of Dogtra bark collars. The YS600, to me, is the best piece of equipment in all of dogs. Check them out, dogtra.com. Check them out on Instagram at dogtraofficial. We really like the guys at Ray Allen Manufacturing. They've been around for freaking ever. They were making working dog equipment before they were working dogs for uh, working bison, apparently. So, uh, and our, their product designer is one of our favorite people, Matt Matt Wilson. We love Matt. So, uh, rayallen.com. And everyone thinks, you know, it's only for police and military dogs, and that's not the case. If you have a working dog, whether it's police and military or search and rescue or even hunting. And even if you got pets, they have literally everything minus the dog and the patrol car that you would need to outfit a working team or a pet team for anything, whether it be scent work, whether it be our AKC or UKC scent work, all the way up to explosive and narcotics detection for military and police teams and everything in between. So be sure to hit them up at rayallen.com. Use the discount code working dog radio spelled out for 10% off your order. Probably, absolutely, not even probably, our first sponsor and longest sponsor is Arno over at ALM. Probably, to me anyways, one of the best guys in all of canine. Um, His website, almcanineequipment.com. You can get on there, give him a call, email him. He's the only guy you're going to talk to, uh, almcanineequipment.com. He has easily the best tugs in the business. His bite suits are amazing. They last for a long time. Ted will tell you he's got the same jacket since uh, Noah threw the ark out there. And uh, his hidden sleeve, I still say, is the best in the business. Check him out. Use a discount code WDRADIO, all spelled out, 10% off your first order. Check him out on Instagram, ALM Canine Equipment. All right, Working Dog Radio, we are back broadcasting the bite. Another great episode coming at you. I hope you guys like the last one with our friend Jake Lawrence. Um, If you're a breeder or want to be a breeder or really interested in puppy, man, that was an awesome episode. I really liked it. Mm. Uh, My name is Eric Stamber coming to you from Canton, Ohio. Finally warming up over here for now. It is Ohio. It'll snow next month probably. But um, with me always is from Tulsa, Ted, who had a – cold winter this year ted what's going on man you finally we had, we had a, out we would have won in like i don't know 20 something last time it was this cold was like 1980 i don't know i was like three 
when it was this cold. Just stop. I, stop I'm right just there. saying. Motherfucker. <laughs> I was probably graduating. It was, it was cold. It was like real cold. I had to turn the air conditioner on today, though. So I was like, oh, man, it's fucking hot in here. <laughs> and so, you know, I had, to turn the, I had to turn the air conditioner on, which I'm super excited about, which means that I can wear fucking sleeveless T-shirts now. Oh, here we which go. Is, which is my favorite fucking training <laughs> attire. If you've ever been doing HRD, first day I'm there and the second and third days I show up and you know, I'm still there, but it's usually hot as shit unless it's in the wintertime when we're doing them. And I'm like, this is just too hot. Like every, we did the one in Texas when we were in Irving and that, that was, I had the drone flying and it was so hot. It had a thing on the screen. It was like, I was like, what the fuck? What is this? Yeah, it says, Hey, Icarus land. No, exactly. That's what it was. It was like overheating. And I'm, <laughs> that was how hot it was in fucking Irving. And you know, I'm still wearing the pants I was wearing, but I had on sleeve a t-shirt. So I have an entire closet section of all my, yeah those for usually day three ted's got sleeveless shirt and a hat that says hey fuck face on it i it doesn't always say that it's just the one time there's another one that's horrible when i had to take about your intelligence for the in for the interview in west virginia when the news showed up and everyone was like you have to do this and i'm like i'm not dressed to do i'm not no i'm not being on tv so i was on tv but uh, it was not with hat head know. because we had to take it off. Right. So like I the, like, yeah, like the I sheriff know. is there and the news yeah. media shows up. He has, Hey, fuck face. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I said. I was like, Oh, shiny shoes showed up. Anybody time somebody shows up with shiny shoes and stripes on their sleeves. I'm like, Oh man, we're in trouble. Who did this? And they're like, Oh no, no, that was fine. Like, you know, they're supposed to, we, they knew we were going to be here. I'm like, ah, we tell me so, he's a homeless dude. Look, yeah. we got a homeless guy coming to help us. It's pretty exactly. cool. Tattooed shit bag. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> Uh, we did one of these last night, so nothing has changed. I'm still working on the same three dogs we tracked today. I did um, single blind tracking today with Pepper and uh, another dog. Uh, so my my intern, uh, Paul, ran off, and I kind of gave him a direction. I was like, go this way. And, uh, you know, for a certain amount of time at this pace, so I kind of have a gauge of where he went. Uh, and the two dogs crushed it. And we had, you know, because it's so windy i mean it's in the song the state song you know where the wind comes sweeping down the plane in oklahoma it was windy as shit today march and april in oklahoma are just the most windiest fucking day so i have these places that we track that's got trees and stuff so it like breaks it a little bit it's good because it kind of gives us a little bit of a challenge if you got a dog that's in the right process this isn't the right you know spot in their training mm-hmm. so these dogs were i was like ah, we're because it's been a rain tonight and i'm not gonna track tomorrow so all right, uh, so the next day you track is what I want you to do. I want you to have your intern give him something to do. Go lay your own track and then go tell him to run off and then run your normal, the one you laid, and then just go, like, go home. <laughs> Leave him out there. And he's like, how yeah, long are we him, Dude, where are you? <laughs> how long are we aging this one? 24 hours. Did you bring something to eat? <laughs> <laughs> and a sleeping bag. He's a Marine. He's fine. They're, they they right. eat They eat fucking tree bark and shit anyway. They're fine, right? I mm-hmm. mean, so uh so what are we doing man so tonight um we're have somebody on that we have somebody we've actually been on his show uh, which we'll talk about but we figured it was time to have him on to talk about um a myriad of topics uh but tonight from primal canine is mike jones mike what's going on man what's up guys uh you know thanks for having me on you know big fan of the show uh, I mean, I've, I've been following you guys for years, so I'm pretty stoked to be on here and you know talking to you guys and just hanging out. And yeah, we did the the drinks and dogs episode, where would actually contributed to our um, food program that was helping people during 
COVID um, when we first launched it. So, you know, thanks for going on to that too, guys. Appreciate yes. it. So talk a little bit about the do- the the drinks and dogs things and like what it is and where people can find it. At the end of the episode, we'll talk <sighs> about it a little bit too. Uh, but, you know, we basically did this format um, and talked about some other topics. But yeah, like kind of talk a little bit about that and how that process came about. And it ties into another topic that we'll talk into about it a little bit here later. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, drinks and dogs, um, essentially when the whole COVID quarantine thing happened out here in California, my team took it pretty seriously. So we just went right into like, all right, we got to like, we got to lock down because my daughter doesn't live with me. So I'm like, I have to like make sure that I'm good so she can, I can see her uh, all the time. So we locked down and me and my team kind of went into this thought process of like, all right, cool. How can we, how can we still provide, you know, content and education to our clients um, but still make it fun and kind of connect all the dog trainers all through all the different you know sectors of dog training uh, and I mean our G and Roman like you guys talk, have talked to them I was like what's better than like like a happy hour with like your dog trainer friends hmm. and where you guys, <laughs> like and where you guys can just talk and have fun so it just kind of came up and like we just ran with it and it just kind of continuously went in people were really receptive to it I was really happy with what uh how everyone responded to it everyone i essentially asked i mean i was even offering to like pay people like, hey like you want to come out like this i just want to provide something for the dog uh, training community so people can see it and it's a fun show it's you know joking around you guys have had conversations with me i'm, I'm pretty light um when it comes to like how i talk so i just wanted to create something that was fun and it kind of spiraled into everything that it is now and your most recent one you had on, or I don't know if you've done it yet or it's getting ready to happen uh, with Howard Young, right? Yeah, Howard's two, what's today? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Howard's Howard and Rob Pelladu's tomorrow. Yeah, so Howard's been on the show to the date. Still my favorite interview for Working Dog Radio for everybody listening. Not to disparage any of the other guests, but uh, I love Howard to death. But yeah, that'll oh, be- Good dude, uh, man. That'll be, that'll be a fan. That'll be a fun episode for sure. Howard's awesome. Um, yeah, so- it's a similar format to what we do here but you know and it's a different you know uh feel for sure but um you know it's great that it was and covid was a whole fucking shit show in and of itself and it still is people are like oh we're at the two-year anniversary or at the one-year anniversary of the 14 days to flatten the curve and i'm like you mean 14 months (laughs) (laughs) still we're still fucking worried about it so uh, let's talk a little bit about how um, we got to today. Like, how did you get into dogs? Like, what, like, what, what, how did we get here? Uh, I mean, shoot. So I started working with dogs when I was 13 years old. Um, I started in, I mean, I think we've had this conversation before. Like I started kind of like in the hood of like Eastside San Jose uh, and just working with dogs outside, like just not even knowing I was working with dogs, all the stray dogs outside of my house just not even knowing it was happening was that was my escape you know what was going on then I got a little bit of trouble my community service work was at a shelter and I just kind of fell in love with it I mean that was like my escape from my reality so dogs became a really important part of my life fairly early uh and then we uh life kind of took its course I got into fighting and everything like that Uh, I got in a little bit of trouble and then came you know came out of that stuff met up with the friend of a friend's uh like family member terry macias who became, became my first mentor around like the age of 2021 and that was schutzen but i learned everything in the rescue world 
uh, and like the shelter world. So you guys probably know the difference. Like, obviously, you guys know the differences of thought process between when Schutzen was Schutzen and rescue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, we we talked about that last night with with Jake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, we talked about that. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. it's, I walk onto a field and all of a sudden I just see like, you know, palm color pop, 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 pop. And I'm used to this little lady with the clicker and the freaking food. Like, I'm like, what the hell is happening here? And like, I had to like step back into my car real quick. I'm like, all right, like, I, I, let's just go ahead and figure out what the hell is going yeah, on. Take a some breath. Of the dogs are, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, let me, let me just see what's happening here. And I understood the thought process. And then from that, from that point being, I just, kind of just all right i'm just gonna absorb these guys are national world champions you know doing all this stuff and shit's in and you know they had dogs that looked great i mean the relationships were a bit weird to me um but it just what i saw on the field and their accolades i was like all right cool let me just follow and kind of see what i can learn i did that for a long time um you know life took its course again at a, a mixed martial arts gym and then kind of I just I, I had to keep going back to dogs dogs was my deal and I started primal canine actually April 1st or yeah April 1st will be the eight year uh eight year anniversary of primal canine but prior to that I had like two years of just doing my own dog training thing before I opened that and primal canine itself is its own its own journey <laughs> it's, its own story about how we got here it's been a- oh yeah you've well, had some moving issues you came into a place and they were like nope yeah. Well, how'd you come up with the name? Where did the primal canine come from? So at the time I was fighting when I uh I was fighting when I first started it. So my was a really good friend of mine, um, Omar Lima. Uh he was my strength and conditioning coach when I fought for Fairtex and we were training over there. Uh and we were talking about like the people always just like called me like a gorilla because I'm basically built like a giant midget. I got like short legs, long arms, and a giant torso, I'm, like a six foot tall, small person. So, so it's like, everyone's like, you know, you're like a gorilla. So the thought process was like, all right, when we started training was like, all right, like, you know, you know, primal movements and like all this other, you know, stuff like natural way of communicating. And, uh, the people at the shelter or the shelter that I was helping at or the kennels helping out was like, man, so you have just like this natural, uh, natural like connection with the dogs that you're helping with. Cause at that time I was actually, uh, donating my time after work after one of my jobs to help this uh, kennel called Springdale Kennels uh, get the dogs because people would just drop dogs off there and just leave and never come back for the dogs. So what I would do is I would work with the county and I would come in and train the dogs that were just dropped off there so they get euthanized and I helped help them get adopted out. And the, the, the time the, the kennel manager, his name was Jeff. He basically was like, Hey man, it's like, he's like, he was like, you got this connection with like the dogs, like, you know, the, then I had like the primal thing. So it all kind of, they actually suggested it to actually be the name. And that's how primal canine, the name came out. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> then it primal canine itself just went, you know, a completely different direction once we uh, launched it. Yeah. You got uh, quite the, the, the footprint on uh, social media in, in the canine world. It's, it's awesome to see. So let me ask you a question. I was talking about this today. I was doing a little bit of decoy school for someone and I'm wondering if, because uh, I know you do a lot of decoy work, you probably teach some decoy stuff, handle a million leashes a week, just like all of us do. Do you find that um, your time doing the mixed martial arts, not as far as like physically how you would like, if you would have to get physical with a dog, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, 
do you think just the fluid movement and the way your uh, the athleticism that's involved in your past is really a key to the decoy work and not just the decoy work, just app, just actually handling dogs and the way things move? Or do you think, because I find more athletically inclined people seem to be a little bit, even as, even as dog owners or, or canine handlers seem to be a little bit ahead of the curve in that whole thing. So it, it, it works its way in two different, like two different sides, right? I feel like if you're athletically inclined, you're going to anticipate a lot, especially if you're really green in that, in that world. Right. Whereas if you're seasoned, you've learned how to read it. You've seen that amount of stress. You can react when you need to react. And like the way that I think about it always is being like a good sparring partner. So like whether I'm getting ready for a fight or whether I'm getting, you know, a partner of mine ready for a fight, you know, like we're slipping punches at the last minute where, you know, we're pairing, we're doing a bunch of different things. So like with my dogs, when I'm training with them and I, I do, I do think it does give me an advantage considering I've seen like quite a bit of stress and quite a bit of, you know, pressure as like a person and, you know, violence and everything like that. I think it does help me because I'm not overly anticipating it and I'm reacting when the actual thing happens right so i think it does help me in the decoy aspect of things and the fluidity of it and just the movements for you know the years i've been doing it um and then i think a lot of the times too is that the athleticism like people who are because i get a lot of like uh apprentices um and people who want like mentorship programs that i talk to and a lot of it like they're they're athletes so like a lot of them are just like ah, it's, it's it's them versus a dog like there's a lot of like uh anticipated movements and i, I feel like that can be a downfall for them as well uh, whereas like, you know, if you're just someone who's thinking about being like, all right, cool, how can I make this dog bigger, use uh, are better and use my athleticism to build them, that thought process helps. But I, I, in my opinion, for my life, it's helping, it's helped me tons, um, for other people that I've seen and people that I've, you know, mentored, I've seen it kind of be a downfall, um, in their career. Uh, and then I've seen it work for some others. So, I mean, I, I would say the percentage would be on the, yes, it does help. Without a doubt, <clears throat> you know, like my background is in like competitive cycling. So I, you know, I've always been kind of like an endurance athlete. So I've never really had an issue with the endurance side of it. Um, even as a trial decoy for PSA, um, that's never been like my problem. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, and, and my my problems were like other shit, but it definitely does help. One of the one of somebody I used to work with quite a bit um and something that I repeat to new decoys and new police handlers, police canine handlers all the fucking time. And whether it's decoy work or handling, especially detection work, uh, where I say, don't anticipate, just participate. Like you're here as a participant in this process. Like, and you know, they're like, well, I think the dog's going to do this. I'm like, yeah, you're probably wrong. Like rarely. Well, I mean, it happens, but you know, where a dog does something that surprises me, which is like last night we were, the interview before this, I was like, that's why I always hug the wall at HRDs. And they're like, oh, he's social. I'm like, oh, I bet he is. Yeah, it's fine. You know how many times I've been smoked <laughs> by social dogs? So and Eric, too. So, <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. But so don't anticipate, just participate. So, you know, and and I, you know, and it goes back to like some of the one of my friends here in Tulsa is a really good shooting instructor um, who I would consider somebody like national level. His name's Chuck Smith. Uh, I've been trying to get him to fucking do a podcast forever. He runs a company called Five O Tactical. It's fucking great, um, <clears throat> and he's a former canine handler. But he's a fantastic instructor. But he's always like, I hate having to break habits. 
and people see shit or they do things and i'm constantly like you know why are you doing that why are you doing that and i and i do that with handlers whether they're handling for detection work or whether they're in decoy work i'm like what are you doing like why are you doing that they're like well i saw somebody else do it and i'm like why are they doing it and they look at me and i'm like i don't mind if you do it like i don't care like just tell me what what the fuck like why you're doing that and they're like well you know i mean I don't really know. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, then we start talking about, you know, after the athleticism comes in, it's like, okay, what is the role of a decoy, whether it be a training decoy, a, you know, maintenance decoy for patrol work for police departments, or for the sports side, like a patrol or like a trial decoy. Um, So then we get into teaching, like what the role is for decoy. So for you, like teaching, uh, when you teach new guys, like what's the, like, how do you give them like what the role of like what your role is in this entire process? So all of my decoys that come in, if I'm teaching a seminar, if I'm teaching an apprentice, um, it's they're I always, the thing I instill in them is like, you're the one that's going to make this dog better. You're the one that's in charge of faults or your faults. Their success is the handlers and the dog's success. Like that's pretty much what you do, but your job is to reinforce movements. And I, I train it in the way that I would train, like when I'm training like students and like boxing It's you know, they they do movements without the dog, like basically like drills, like movements, like I'll, I'll tell them catch, they catch the dog, there's no dog there. And they do movements like hitting mitts or hitting a punching bag. And then I put a dog on them. And the mindset I always want them to understand is when we're training these dogs is that, you know, your, your reinforcers, your muscle movement inside the suit your noise when the dog counters and does deep like you know it does a deep counter like you're basically all the markers that come with it you know you're teaching them every single time like and when initially because everyone that typically that i get that wants to be a like uh you know a decoy everyone's like it's for them a lot of it's egocentric like ego like it's very much like ah like i want to go and you know fight the dog like no we're not fighting the dog we're 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 training the dog to if it needs to be able to fight proficiently in what they're doing so I scale down a lot of it and then sometimes I have to you know build up some other people to come in where I'm like all right make more noise because a lot of people get stuck in that little stress mode but a lot of for for me uh, I'm teaching all my all my apprentices all the trainers that come through here uh, everyone that comes through here it's it's teaching proper bite mechanics how to mark how to move your arm how to move your body um, and then once we get to specific levels then I'm like all right cool let's go ahead and trial and test and see what we can do but for the most part, it's just getting the dogs comfortable and making sure that the trainer, the, the decoy is understanding of actually what they're doing. And, you know, things aren't that quick, fast motion thing that the adrenaline dump right into. And then they're just shutting off. Like, they're just like, ah, like, you know, being crazy, but they're actually turning this into a constructive moment. So I train all my guys in the training aspect of it first. Yeah. You know, we use, uh, I, we try. And, it, and when I do them here in Tulsa, I, I use dogs that are experienced. Um, and, you know, my <clears throat> main like intern, he's no longer an intern now. He's like, he's in college, but he's a, he's an accomplished decoy in his own right, Josh. Um, but for the first two years he worked with me, he never worked with puppies or green dogs. Like I just wouldn't let him. And uh, it was like, you're going to work with dogs that know what the fuck they're doing. Like they're going to target correctly. And so, and I told him, you know, we went to, I took him to a seminar and I said, you're probably going to see some dogs that you are not familiar with, or you're going to see a bunch of them actually. And they may not do something that's expected. So he worked like two and he's like, dude, why are they biting me in this spot? And I'm like, <laughs> I, you know, so 
you know, how, and I say this all the time without like, I'm not dining people out, but just without, you know, when, when, for instance, when I go to a PSA trial and I'm the decoy doing the PSA one of the P or the PDC uh, courage test where, you know, we're running downfield and we're presenting or the one we're running. Anyway, we're presenting. And if, and, you know, as PSAD, cause we don't fade, we don't do anything weird. And if they hit me like way wide or they hit me center chest, I'm like, I know what that training decoy has done. Same thing with like police dogs when you present a forearm and you don't move like you're just like this and they hit you right super low. I'm like, you either have a nerve problem or whoever's worked you is fucking scared of you. <laughs> sticking your fucking hand in their mouth. And <laughs> even when presented, like, you know, you pull it back so that the plane is out here. And for people listening, you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm sticking my elbow out. And I'm like, here, bite motherfucker, bite me in the forearm and bite me in the elbow. They're like, nope, they'll come around and bite you in the fore and the elbow and the wrist. And I'm like, okay, I see what's going on here. And so, like, I really try to give these guys good mechanics from the get go. Yeah. And I'm like, don't put your fucking hand anywhere you wouldn't put your dick. Like, keep it back, keep it flat, and <laughs> stick your forearm in their mouth, not your fucking hand. But how often do you see dogs that you don't work with on like where you present correctly and the dogs are just like? ah, fuck you, I'm going to do whatever I want. And you're like, well, that's why I wear pants. So <laughs> um, so we have a mutual friend. I'm not going to put them on, um, put them on blast or anything like that. And we went to an area, I'll just say it's Colorado. <clears throat> and we were, we're filming something. Uh, and a, a company that I know, Ted, you're a really big fan of with the transfer biters. Um, hmm. uh, well, they, <laughs> their, their dogs yeah. were there. And I was wearing a hidden sleeve. I was working the PD dogs for this video. The dog breaks out of the building that it was in. And it's me, our, our friend, the police officer, the canine, the film crew. And the dog comes charging <laughs> out. And before I was, before, before this whole thing happened, and, you know, the guys were awesome. I'm not talking shit, but, you know, everyone was cool there. But the, the, what was told to me is the dog bites hands and faces. So I'm wearing the <laughs> smallest Ray Allen hidden slip. <laughs> and like oh. it's from here to here. And the, I hear our mutual friend yell, dog on the field, dog on the field. I'm looking at the PD dog because the PD dog almost got me live uh, right beforehand. And then this dog comes charging out and I run in like, like I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to shove my shoulder down like this dog, like elbow down this dog's mouth or like trying to run him like off the field. And the dog like came in like, I think he tagged me once like on the elbow and I kind of just stood in front of him and blocked off like the film crew until someone was able to get him. But, uh, <coughs> but yeah, once you said that I had to, I had to bring that up because I remember all the, the Facebook but did, stuff. <laughs> but did you die? <laughs> I, did, I didn't even get bit. I got like, <laughs> like yes, <laughs> the dog I ran off. Um, so I, I think we were talking about mechanics, but I mean, the I teach all my guys. I put through like an incredible amount of stress. Like for the longest time when you were a decoy trying out for me, like, you had, I would exhaust, physically exhaust you the same way I would do like in what I was taught when it came to like fighting and combat sports, because I would physically exhaust and I would start to build muscle memory stuff. So if dogs were something happens, hits leg, you know what to do. There's a drill that's called dog panicking in my seminars where the dog or the decoy has to get up to a stable position and stabilize the grip. Uh, and they do this without the dog. Uh, but I mean, at all, at all times, like I'm, it's there's a lot of different moving parts and they have a different understanding of what to do like when a dog is freaking out or like especially because i do a lot of groundwork you know what happens when a dog starts pulling out starts chomping starts moving 
you know, drifting up to sleep, doing things like that, how to reset, how to communicate to the handler, um, whether it's sport, personal protection, law enforcement stuff when we do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we, we, I focus, you could probably, you guys probably notice when, if you guys see like any of our like social media, we focus uh, quite a bit. I mean, everyone looks a lot, very similar when it comes to the mechanics and how they work. It's just because we just focus a lot on those mechanics and understand how to respond to all those little different things or, you know, like, you know, Ted, like you said, on the trial field, sometimes the dog's going to give you a, a different look. And that's another way that um, we actually created the, the street league catches that we've been working is because the dogs are going to give them different looks from different sports, but it has to be something that's transitional and the decoy has to be able to compete, you know, and also catch dogs safely. So one of the things I always tell people is that when we're um, training, especially police dogs, uh, if it's just me and the dog or Ted, the dog or whatever, we do that all day long, right? No problem. No worries. Then the human being comes in, right? The, the handler comes in and we're going to teach a, a green handler or maybe even an experienced handler with a new style or a new, uh, a new dog. I always say that you have to be a study in human psychology to do that, right? You need to really understand how people learn. And if you have three or four students teaching them decoy work, um, shit, cleaning kennels, I mean, everything, they all are going to learn maybe a little bit differently. I mean, a couple of them might be pretty similar. So what's, you, what's your approach? How do you get to that kind of where you figured out, hey, this guy must repeat back to me everything I say. This guy one time can do it. This one must be shown. You Is that something you try to just, it naturally happens or you kind of figure that out pretty quick? Uh, I mean, I'm, I like for me, like the biggest thing is relationship. So like when someone comes in and applies to be an apprentice or like, let's say, let's say in the beginning with the primal canine apprentice programs, you know, just like the start of that, when someone comes in and they're going to hang out with me, you know, hours and hours, you know, throughout the week and donate a bunch of time, I need to make sure like something's in the click there. And I have to, under, I, for me, I look at what makes that person learn best. So that's the way that I apply the same like psychological thing when it comes to dogs. Um, and I just try to, okay, like you learn, like I, for example, right now I have like five apprentices, you know, a few of them learn through just me, like being blunt and <laughs> like that mm -hmm. stuff. Some of them, you need more reasoning. Some of them, you need like a little bit different guidance. But when I go on to a seminar, I kind of have to, and I, I hate the word, but like kind of have to form a cookie cutter format because we only have so many, so many hours in the day and there's teams and decoys and everything like that there so i always try to adapt to that person's learning style um just because i want to make sure they get the best out of you know what you know what we're doing and like you know the money they're spending and everything like that so for me like i always try to adapt to that learning style i want to make sure that you know it's not just like all right cool like you know, it's the same process that i apply to dogs you know it's not my way okay like this is how you learn this is how i want to make sure that you learn and become as accessible as possible and we'll go from there and i just kind of adapt to it um but yeah, I mean, like they all decoys, especially in high stress. I mean, some decoys don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't, once they're, once they're in that moment, they're not going to be receiving information. And then you get decoys that were in that moment, they can, they can see things clear and they can be fine. And I just kind of adapt to each, to each one. So real quick, and we're going to take a break after this one question, because we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, we, we've had, I don't know half the guests on here we've talked about marker training um the other half we've talked about decoy work so we we, we do a lot of that type of, of conversations um 
But I don't think people understand, uh, and I was talking about with that group that I'm working with, I was talking about today, because they're dog trainers, they're pet dog trainers, but dog trainers. So they, they understand the markers, what a marker is and the, and the philosophy behind it. But how do you, um, do you talk about that in your decoy stuff about being the decoy, marking the behavior? Uh, is it, do you use the marker that they're used to? Is it a noise that you use? Is it, how, how do you do that? When like, say we're, we're going to work on um, a punching grip on a dog that's pulling. We'll use that as an example as to, as to the marker that we would use for that. So, typically, and I deal with this a lot in Memphis when I do my seminars out there. Uh, I just, I, re, I teach them my perspective on how I would do certain things, like with my opinion and how I would fix those behaviors. Because I don't like dogs who, you know, pull like just, you know, I, I just, my opinion, I just don't like that. Because I just figure the dog's going to be ripping off sweaters or jackets or whatever it may be in case they need to actually bite somebody. So, what I do is I just tell the decoy, all right, there, let's say it's a bicep bite. Show them proper position, you know, left foot in front, have the dog not be lazy and drag down. You're walking backwards. And I use like, you know, muscle flexion when it comes to the dog counters and bites. You know, you flex, you make a noise. Oh, that's a marker. The handler says, good job. The dog understands it versus, you know, the other approach where everyone's like pressure on, pressure off. And everyone wants, the, you know, the smoke type of <coughs> vibe when I see when I go out there and everyone's just flailing around. Rah, 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 you know, and then the dog's not really getting clear things. And the dog's pulling back. So for me, I teach the the decoys like almost incremental pressure and then also be able to mark the actual counters and digs and build off of those things. Cause I deal with a lot of different types of dogs, like not just like, you know, we don't deal with tons of like law enforcement stuff, but I deal with like a lot of people who just want to do this for fun. Like it's a sport, like it's still just like, oh hey, it's a good time. You know, you know, you know, executive level protection dogs, sport dogs. You know, we deal with a wide variety of different types of dogs. So I the marker system for us, I teach my guys that by proper footwork, learning how to adjust, you know, what's happening in the suit, what the dog can feel, also your verbal reward, and then the handler themselves understanding how to verbally reward that as well. So, I mean, like, those are the different things that, you know, I work with, uh, with my, basically with my team and with uh, the clients that we have. Do you, uh, here's a question I asked on Facebook one time, and I got, um, a bunch of answers that were pretty similar. And I think, I don't know, I think people were guessing myself is if we're working something um, uh, in a, in a napopo type style where it's negative reinforcement. And then the first positive, you know, the removal is the first positive and, and then the second positive. And we're, maybe we're teaching it out using that. Or even if we're teaching, like I have a dog, he's uh, a young dog and I I'm covering his eyes right? Because it's a little bit of pressure on him when he punches, I teach him to, to punch it away. Do you think that the removal of pressure is it's a marker in and of itself? Or should you throw a marker in on top of that? I think it depends on the dog 100% on that. Um, if, they were, if they view that as a marker, um, I like to throw like just for me in general, like if I'm working puppies, like I'm raising a puppy right now. And like, if I, if I do like a Belgian style, like grip here, like we'll put like a little bit like the, you know, kind of putting like the, the eye covering the eyes or the nose and also in the counter. And then I like to just flinch my arm and pull back just a bit and just kind of reward that way with a tiny verbal marker because it builds that way. Um, I like that style of it. Uh, for me, uh, I want the dog to be able to kind of fight by itself. So I don't really like a lot of, 
don't, I mean, you guys have seen the videos. I don't do tons of like handler involvement unless we're doing a combative scenario uh, where the handler has to be involved in it. But for training purposes, when I'm starting off in the beginning, I like the dog to kind of be able to work on itself and then kind of go from there. Um, but like as the D way for me, like I'll put my hand up, you know, I'll put pressure on the dog's collar, push them back out a little bit. All of a sudden they get a little bit whiny and next thing you know, the counter, boom, oh, good job. Or I'll put them on the head. Do that way. I just, I'll do pretty much to whatever until they counter and go from there, or even like bottom pressure or top pressure. But I mean, I, I think it, it depends on the dog. I mean, if it works, if it works for them, it works for them. I think. Uh, I mean, freaking there was that that saying like you know, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat type of a thing. I mean, I mean there's there's bad training, there's good training, and but there's a bunch of different applications to it. You know, when it comes to like the bite, the bite stuff, and the genetic lines and everything like that from the dogs that we're working. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's a, a pretty good point that you bring up about like that Eric asked about the marker because, uh, you know, and you said it too, you said, um, you know, you hear the dog say good boy, good boy, whatever, or you the handler say good boy. Um, one of the things that we constantly yell about um, <laughs> the handlers is like, you're saying good boy when they're doing shit that we don't want them to do like fucking pulling <laughs> or like, you know, so at that point, I'm like, okay, well, one does good boy, does the marker have value, right? So then we have to have a conversation is have you loaded that word like does it have value is it timed correctly like all this other shit and second of all if it does why the fuck are you rewarding terrible behavior shut up so it, like, i mean in a little bit of different terms but you're like no he's not and like no don't say anything to him stop talking um and it creates a lot of problems and that's the thing like you know how do we and and, and that's something that i work on a lot with decoys that work with us is like creating a consistent I, don't, I hate to say the word language because we're not actually fucking talking to the dogs, but you know, we have to establish like, okay, like when we teach marker training to, you know, subtles the best at doing this shit or teaching it like with the fucking chickens, right? Like here, run around and put your nose on the poker chip and then I'll mark it, right? Run up the thing, run up the little seesaw and run down and then jump over the deal and jump the thing, right? Like he runs the chickens run the obstacle course, right? So they do these each individual little behaviors. So there's a list of, there's like a big old list of behaviors that they do. Right. So from the onset, I teach guys, I'm like, okay, these are the behaviors that you want to reinforce. This is how you reinforce them. And they're like, oh, and the handlers are like, yeah. And I'm like, you shut up. No one cares what you think. Like the decoy is the only person that matters here because if you're way the fuck out here in the middle of a building or wherever, you're doing something else, the dog, like you said, has to be able to work alone. So then we have to create a common language where the decoy and the handler or the decoy and the dog can communicate without the handler or without the decoy giving the dog like overt commands like Stalin, Stalin or whatever, right? Unless it's a fucking bailout situation where you're like, hey, don't come off and go find your dad and act like a weirdo, right? So, which you talk about some ground combative stuff when we talk about the island, one of the scenarios we do at HRD where we do the ground combative thing, right? So... In that scenario, we're doing, you know, the, the, the handler's laying on his back. You know, we put the dog in a forearm grip on a hidden sleeve or wherever, like somewhere here. And then we put him in a front guard and the handler's got to get away from it. Well, as we call it the island, because as a decoy, you can't reinforce or not reinforce or you can't really punish, but we can't do anything. Like when the dog does something correctly, like I can't reinforce it. I'm worried about what the handler's doing with his hands. I'm worried about where his hips are. I'm worried about where my hips are, his feet are. So there, we're on our own, even though we're all there touching each other like a big circle jerk. There's <laughs> nothing going on. Like I can't reinforce the dogs by himself. I, I buy and he is, and you only get there 
and I say this when I teach guys that, and I say, and when we do this at HRD, um, we do this on the last day for the decoy schools. And during, um, during the, when we do it during actual HRD, I say, you know, you, this is, they're on your own. Like, I know he's there, but that's it. Like the dog's got to do it. Like there is no, there is no try. There is no like fucking, you know, do or do not like he has to do it and he has to do it correctly without reinforcement. Now we have a safety guy with, with, with a, uh, leash just in case the dogs get wonky we usually select the dogs that have great grips and don't give a shit like they're like people are like i'm like whose dog has a problem outing and people raise their hand i'm like yep okay because I'm gonna- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're not gonna come off it doesn't matter so yeah um on that note we're gonna take a break uh we come back uh we're gonna pick up with some equipment stuff and uh a little more training stuff so yeah don't fast forward through the fucking commercials uh look for the discount codes for sure. So sorry to interrupt the great conversation we are having, but we have amazing sponsors that we need to bring to you. Um, one of our favorites, one of our oldest is Southern Coast Canine. The folks down there, the Heisers, they are great folks down there in Smyrna, New Smyrna, Florida, right? They got everything you need to do down there, guys. Um, full service kennel, southerncoastcanine.com. Give them a call, 877-903-DOGS. The uh, Southern Coast Canine folks have killer dogs, guys. Everyone we've seen have been badass. Check them out on Instagram at Southern Coast Canine. Everybody knows that training is super important. One of the best training conferences in the country is HITS. It's by canine handlers, for canine handlers. HITS Canine, letter K number nine dot net. The largest vendor show in the country, the largest giveaway for handlers in the country, and some of the most skilled instructors in the country, plus Eric and I. We're going to be there July 6th through the 9th in Scottsdale, Arizona, bringing the HRD Roadshow to everyone there, doing the presentation about scenario-based training. And then they've got everybody there from the industry to do fantastic presentations. Also, uh, classifies and, and sort of uh, for your training hours when you come back to your department. So it's going to be in Scottsdale, Arizona, July 6th to the 9th. Be sure to hit up Jeff Barrett, 863-529-5113 uh, or hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. The other big thing that guys mess around with and don't get right is nutrition for their dogs. Our good friends down at Kinetic Dog Food, they got it right. Uh, especially if you own a kennel, uh, like there's all kinds of problems that go along with owning a kennel with a lot of dogs, kennel stress and things. These guys are great. They service some of the largest kennels in the country. Kineticdogfood.com. Their stuff is so good. Give them a call. 513-615-6904. Kinetic Dog Food on Instagram. Wonderful people. Wonderful food. Check them out. Kineticdogfood.com. Next up, we have a sponsor that's moved for quite a while, Quick Derm by Vet Care. This stuff is magic. For whatever reason, working dogs have this uncanny ability to hurt themselves in fantastic and magical ways. Don't let small problems be big ones. Happy tail, torn up paws. Uh, one of our good buddies and also one of our interviews, uh, Jake Hutchinson, had a, uh, his dog got kicked in the face by a horse. The stitches were healed up very quickly with vet care. I use it on my tattoos. Uh, Alicia just got a new one and she's using it as well. Stuff is magic. So hit him up at vetcare.us. Use the discount code 10WDR for 10% off your first order. Awesome stuff. Our brand new sponsor, guys, and he's a good dude, man. He really is a good dude, good trainer. He's been on the podcast, friend of ours. He's worked with us at HRD, great decoy. Jim O'Brien down at NCK9 in North Carolina, obviously. NC stands for North Carolina. NCK9, letter K number nine. 
Uh, great stuff, guys. Their police dogs are good. Floppy ear, pointy ear, dual purpose, single purpose, handler schools, better weather than we have in Ohio. Give them a call, 919-438-0141. Check out his website, nck9.us. Uh, hit them up on Instagram, at nck9llc. For them, guys, training is not a job. It is their life. All right, we're back. Uh, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite uh, here with Mike Jones from Primal Canine talking about market training uh, and integrating market training with decoy work um, and how we got to this point, how we teach new decoys not to mess dogs up, which is uh, <laughs> still in, in a, it's a skill all in of itself. So um, one of the things that Primal's done a lot lately, um, you have had some uh, interaction I guess <laughs> you guys have a good partnership with our friends out in Colorado Springs at Ray Allen. Um, you've got two products um, for sure that I definitely want to kind of like talk about that you've highlighted. The first is the decoy armor and the other one is the hidden treat pouch. Um, and I have individual reasons why I want to talk about each one, <laughs> which are going to be hilarious. But uh, so talk a little bit about the decoy armor, where it started and why it's a thing. Uh, so the decoy armor, I like to wear thinner suits, but I also like to work like a lot of duration in my bites. Uh, and like for me, like duration five to 10 minutes in a single bite, you know, but depending on the dog, sometimes longer. Uh, and it's just like working like some high interval intensity training stuff, just conditioning and grips, switching through, you know, drive manipulation, putting them in, you know, the deep water and then taking them back out. And what I noticed is that you know, the, the neoprene itself, <clears throat> everything like that wasn't giving me longevity when it came to be able to work every single day uh, with the dogs that I was working with. So I, would, I hit up Matt Wilson uh, over at uh, Ray Allen and I was like, man, I was like, can you, I was like, can we do some like KMPV style thing? Like, you know, just something light over the top, just something that's puncture proof because my arm was getting pretty mangled up. And I mean, I think I got something within the, the month after of it but it's, it's become pretty funny. It's like the joke around Primal Canine is that it kind of came, at least for me personally, besides like the leg gauntlets <clears throat> that we're working on. Um, like my whole left biceps kind of like, just like nerve dead. So like I wear this tiny, like <laughs> this tiny little like, like sleeve that's just like right here. And like, that's pretty much like all I wear. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like I don't even have to wear those anymore. Um, but I'll, I'll, I wear the leg ones. And I, for me, I just, I wanted it to be something to where I can work a dog for a long period of time, you know, bring them into that clarity, have them understand exactly what they're doing and then still be safe and still protect other decoys. And the other thing too, is that because we wear thin suits, it's, you know, that whole KMPV mentality where like that, that juts over the, you know, the, uh, the leather and they have to pull back and counter, pull back and counter and like dig in deeper and it makes them want to go more. So that was on top of the suit that we created uh, with Rayon. Cause I did the, the first, um, Actually, the reason why we actually made it was because we did the first prototype of the new Ray Allen suit, uh, and that thing was that thing was baby like baby blanket thing. <laughs> actually, I, I we had I text Matt Wilson right <laughs> after he sent he sent it to me, and I was like, "Are you like hey, did I do something wrong? Like, mm -hmm. are we like, like are we not like we not okay?" And like we, I worked the dog through because I was like, "Well, whatever, right? You know, I can be a bitch about it, so let's just go ahead and try it out." And, I after I did I think I did a little seminar tour in like New York and like Memphis uh, and I, I don't know where else we went but 
after that, there's gigantic holes all over the suit. And I sent it to Matt. I was like, we need to do something if we're going to run it this way. And then that's how the, you know, the decor armor kind of came into its own thing. But the the stuff I'm really excited for that uh, is the leg gauntlet. You know, the leg gauntlet's the the one that like I'm, at least for me personally, that's the one that I'm really excited for because I feel like that's going to help a lot. And then this new like leather hidden leg sleeve that I'm working on with them as well. Excellent. Uh, those aren't available yet, right? The leg stuff. No, I can ask to make like a like a little system for it. Okay. Yeah. So when the the decoy armor came out, um, I think you inboxed me or Alicia or somebody or Eric, and like we were all talking about it. And Matt was like, "Oh, I'm gonna send you something." I'm like, "Perfect, fucking send it." You know? I'm like, "Yeah, I'll send it. I'll work on it." And I uh, so I was like, "Oh, what is this shit?" Anyway, so it get, shows up, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like it looks like a gauntlet. So Wilson, to his credit, is like it's supposed to be used under a suit. Or he, how did? Um, let me be accurate about this. He's like, it needs to be used with a suit. And I'm like, oh okay, like with a suit jacket. <laughs> it needs to be on the floor. Is that? Well, it, well, does it have so, to be in the room? No, hold on. <laughs> so and I'm reading through this, and because I'm kind of like fucking Asperger, yeah, like took it literally. And I'm like, oh okay, so it's like a fucking sport coat. Like this is a fucking hidden sleeve. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll I'll fucking rock it. So at the time, Hagner was in my house, and you know, for those that follow me on social media, whatever, like you guys know, fucking Sean. And he's an instructor for HRD and, you know, he works with Torchlight. And, um, he's a great trainer. He's a fantastic decoy. And Sean and I are like, yeah, sure, fuck it. We'll try it. So <laughs> I put it on. And I'm like, man, that's really thick. And I didn't think to text Matt and be like, are you sure? Like, this, or even you, like, are you sure? Like, this is how I'm supposed to use this thing by itself. So, you know, and Sean and I are just kind of like, fuck it, whatever. So we had a couple of dogs in handler school that were like, that bite really fucking hard. So I thought, well, you know, he said suit jacket, so I'm just going to cover it up with a suit, like a $5 thing I bought from Goodwill. Like it's a fucking homeless dude suit, right? It's a yeah. $5 sport coat. It's a suit jacket. He didn't know he meant that suit. So I'm, Sean and I just stand there and fucking trade bites back and forth with this dog on these fucking hidden sleeves. And <laughs> nobody died. Like, we didn't die. And Matt, Matt, I don't know if he shit himself, but he was like, uh, we, had have, we had to have some discussions inside at, H at, at fucking Ray Allen. So we're like, this not designed to be used alone. And every time, because I use them all the time like that now, like especially on back tie bites uh, where I know it, like I can, and I know the dog and I'm, they're not going to fucking weird, get weird on me because there's not a lot of material there. You know, like things like sink a tooth, like out here, like I, it's going to suck. That's going to ruin my Oof. day. So, but uh, we've done Sean and I both, have, and I, there's other people that do, but uh, don't use them that way. But I'm here to, I'm here. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see like my tattoos are intact and I've taken several bites that way. It's not an endorsement, nor should you do it that way, but um, they work really well under super lightweight suits. In fact, Arnaud is making me a new one because I use them now. I talked to him, what's today? Wednesday, two, I don't know, whatever, two days ago. And I said, hey, just make the sleeves like super, super fucking thin. And he's like, man, you know, every time I do that, like you, you come back to me and you're like, hey, uh, you know, and that's how the whole hidden sleeve from Arnaud came about. But I was like, you just do it that way. And I have a, the decoy armor thing. He's like, oh, OK, cool. Perfect. So even Arnaud's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So now and I use it so that I could basically wear a Carhartt jacket and just uh, stick my arm in dog's mouths and not get fucked up. It destroyed <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, a... one of the other products you have eric really likes and i haven't gotten one yet and i should because i have a massive collection of hoodies so here's something funny uh so 
So this product, the the, uh, the first pouch that we got, is the, the uh, Cognito pouch. It's designed, right. there's two ways to do it. There's one that's designed to go like in your pocket, um, keep keep treats, especially if you're a food trainer, keeps your pockets from, you know, whatever, stinking and getting all oily and everything. The other one, which is amazing, is uh, a hoodie incognito. It's kind of got that shape like a hoodie. One side of it, you put it, you could put a ball or toy or Kong or something. And the other side, you can put food in. It's designed to sit in the hoodie pouch. And I live in hoodies in this freaking state. So I'm in it all the time. So <laughs> we're doing an HRD in Colorado, in Castle Rock. And we're at this school and uh, Matt was there helping us. He was decoying for us, uh, Matt from Ray Allen. And he says, hey, look at this fucking thing, man. This thing is so cool. Mike uh, came up with this great idea. And so I'm like, oh, dude, I love this. I still have it. Uh, it was the original one where they he actually had it backwards, where yeah. the, the, uh, the, the food was on the right and the toy was on the left. And they switched it. So I go back in another room and I hold that i put my phone up and i make a video of it right look at this badass thing this thing is the best ray allen blah 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 and i put it up on my instagram and um and at the time i probably i probably had about eighteen thousand followers at the time on instagram within a couple few hours or maybe even the next day um matt's like dude they are blowing me up because these aren't ready (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're like two months away and they're getting call a call email where is it i can't see it on your site uh, i'm like oh you didn't tell me that i didn't <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> i don't remember prototype i don't you might have said it but i'm not saying i was ignoring you but i probably was but so like is it just shitty get tired of having shitty clothes like your stuff all smelling like uh Bill whatever Jack whatever you're working bill jack or hot dogs or (laughs) whatever that did because it's it's so simple and it's pure genius yeah i mean the so the incog pouches came from me and me not wearing to wear an apron or you know freaking fanny pack sorry kd i respect your fanny pack but i like i just i got i didn't want to do that like i was like i I don't want to wear a trainer's vest i don't want to wear all this other stuff so like i just i want to wear something that's going to be the dog's understanding something's coming from me at you know any point in time and i can keep my normal you know clothing uh fine so i originally <clears throat> came up with the uh, had DM, did this creepy dm which we'll probably end up talking about later <laughs> creepy dm and i was like hey dude so uh because the primal can id armor is the first thing i actually talked to him about the incog pocket pouch uh, was the second thing I talked to him about. And then we finished that when I flew out to Colorado and I did like a working dog weekend at his, his shop. So we finished that one. And, but the idea behind it was just to make it, make sure like, like no matter where you are, no matter where you're at, like the dog may think that you're training. Cause I got the idea from one of my mentors. He was an old Schutzen guy. And this was like decades ago. I mean, I, I want to say like not decades, maybe like 16 years ago, but he used to spit hot dogs out to his uh, dog during training like when they would run the routine. So he would like pick something up, like that was his routine, out of the truck or out of the box, something goes in his lip and he would, he would walk down. And then on trial day, he'd pick a rock up, something goes in his lip and he would go down and he would always get super high in obedience. So I'd, in my mind, I was consistently looking for something like, all right, cool, how can I make this a consistent thing uh, behaviorally? And my hatred for wearing aprons and, 
all the <laughs> on and trainers vests uh kind of came to play uh and now we have the incog uh clothing or incog uh treats this our cheap out system and then we actually have the incog clothing uh line coming out here i believe this week too oh, no. which is yeah we have the the crew neck and the hoodie which is a full-blown like actually like sweater or hoodie that you wear i'll have five of them is it black because my <laughs> yep. wife is yes my wife is going to um <laughs> be like another black hoodie it's not, i don't even want to talk about it. i have one that's not black and every time i get one alicia's like really another it's one I'm like oh my favorite band was having like it was a fucking thing i don't know what you right. mean to tell you yeah all right we're gonna go ahead and take a break um when we come back uh we want to get into a little bit of um how, how mike and primal canine are giving back into the community and uh a super cool um online instruction series that they have we'll go ahead and take a break working dog radio we love our sponsors this episode is sponsored in part by ray allen at rayallen.com everything for dogs check out their 10 uh, discount code using working dog radio all caps rayallen.com for everything dogs be sure to check out dogtra also eric and i love doctors what we both use at the kennel each day i like the 1900s be sure to check them out at dogtra.com use the discount code wdr10 for 10 percent off any single item over 200 bucks are you going to the hits canine this year guys the biggest and best conference in the united states july 6th to the 9th Scottsdale, Arizona, hitsk9.net. Give uh, Jeff Baird a call, 863-529-5113. Making sure you have the right dog food is a super important part of running a working dog, whether it be police dogs, military dogs, or hunting dogs, or search and rescue. We like Kinetic Dog Food. The guys at Kinetic can be found at kineticdogfood.com. Area code 513-615-6904. Hit them up. We got a brand new sponsor, our good buddy, Jim O'Brien, down at NCK9 in North Carolina. Full service kennel, police dogs, single purpose, dual purpose, handler schools, trainer schools. Check them out, nck9.us. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. You can see uh, we got Mike on the commercial break, flip his phone. So you get a nice full view of uh, of the, t- the tats and the... Uh, the beard, the beard is short though, man, comparatively to other <laughs> times in your life that I've known you. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, your, your, your wife and I will message every once in a while. She'll comment on something I post or whatever I comment. She's, she's real cool. So, uh, um, that's the thickest fucking beard. I can't remember. You told us on the, on the, uh, your show that we were on. Are you a Persian? I can't remember what your background is uh so i am samoan japanese welsh spanish and a bunch of other things and to be honest i don't even know if that's um accurate in general mm-hmm. <laughs> i was raised mm-hmm. in a fairly crazy um family so everyone looked different there's different types or shapes and sizes of people and so it, it i mean i, I mean i that's from what I from what I know from what my family has told me and the people that have been around me for my life. I, that's pretty much why I know my my daughter is a half Iranian or Persian. Um, oh, Ivy's yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah, it's little, funny because when I see some folks like you with a beard, there's always reminds me of an episode of Simpsons. Uh, yeah. Homer's feeling good, whatever. And he shaves his <laughs> face, turns around, and grows a five o'clock shadow. Like right. as soon as he turns around. 
So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, so we talked about, um, when we were, we've talked about this before, but we talked about this when we were, uh, before we started recording about in your community where you're at, besides, um, like talk about how you ended up giving back. Cause you do a lot, man. You do a lot for the local area, the food bank and just things with dogs, just helping people a lot. And when, like a lot of guys that have a young business, for example, they, that's like something they might really want to do, but it's just not, it's not financially of, of they're not able to do that, or they don't have the influence to do that. Where, like, how did it come about? Did you get to a certain point? And you're like, cool, I, I can do this now. We, we've hit a, a, an area that, that makes it possible. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think about it like that. I mean, for me, I, I mean, I come from a, a you know, not to sound cliche and I, I come from a pair a fairly like rough background uh, and, you know, being very poor and everything. So like everything that we do, I'm like, Oh man, that's crazy. Like we're doing like, this is like, this is nuts. We're doing this. Like it's all. So once I get a little bit ahead, like my immediate thoughts, like, okay, how can I help the people that are, you know, still trying to come up. So when we got through all the stuff we went through in Campbell and Morgan Hill uh, with the code changes and everything. Uh, and then, you know, we started this, uh, we first started with the Free Dogs Foundation, which was our rescue. where We were taking all the youthless cases, um, but then we got shut down in Campbell because the the community didn't want us there because um, it, it, it diminished their uh, resale value, um, which is what we got told in court. Uh, and that's what the judge decided to move on. So then we moved to Morgan Hill, um, try to get our feet steady there. That the community didn't really like are the look of the company, or I'd probably just say the look of like probably myself um, with that and the stuff that we did. And then I got to went through all that craziness, a couple other things, went to Gilroy, finally got settled. And for me, I my main goal because I I was a credit dog for kind of saving my life. Um, and like you know, I the like one of the quotes like I've said before is like you know dogs humanize me. You know, so it's always been something like I wanted to repay back. So as soon as I got to a point to where I can take care of all my staff, everyone's settled, they're making a living. Let me start giving back to the community that's that's helped us. And Gilroy helped me uh, and they helped me, you know, get closer to my, be able to be closer to my daughter. My daughter lives like 10, 15 minutes away from our shop. They helped us like start our business, promote us throughout the community. So immediately I just went back to like, all right, how can I repay it? And, you know, we, we work with the shelter now. We do multiple food drives um, or multiple food programs where every weekend you, or every like once a week you can come down to, or it was uh, margaritas, um, taqueria, where it's taco Tuesdays or Wednesdays, you go to straw hat pizza and pick up a bunch of pizza and food for the family. Um, and in, in our area, a lot of the people in our community, they're, they're service, they're in the service industry or they're, you know, they're getting cut off. They're non-essential. So they don't have, and we live in one of the most expensive States, so they don't have the money to, be able to provide and our our county wasn't doing the greatest job of mm. helping anybody so my immediate thoughts are all right cool like i don't care like we we can we can run it so let's just let's go ahead and i, I pulled all my marketing budget that i did for our seo any you know social media ads any marketing ads uh my marketing team my other company uh war room we all did everything for free we actually jumped into uh like the restaurant industry, we started just offering free marketing and like online advisement for social media for like the companies that wanted to do online ordering that had no clue that they were going to do that. We started donating our time for other dog training companies, helping them get started and 
run and market themselves. And we just kind of, we just threw ourselves into the community and we we're just like, all right, let's just help. Let's, I mean, we, we had a decent amount of success and like, I don't, for me, it's not a, it's not a financial decision. Uh, it's just more of like, all right, like we're in a tough spot or these people are in a tough spot. It's a tough time. Let's go ahead and help out and do exactly what we can. And I mean, it was kind of perfect place, perfect time. Cause at that time, Primal Canine went through all the stuff it went through and and we built up to the position that we were at. And at that point, once we started saying like, hey, we're going to do this, I got a bunch of people messaging us and like, hey, we want to help. Like you guys are the same. Like, you know, we want to help. We want to do this. You know, everyone was down to throw down. So we were able to take care of the community. But for me, it's been a two-sided thing. One, I want to give back uh, to the dogs that helped save my life. And also I want to give back to the community that also did the same thing to me. So. That was my deal. Yeah, after you, after all the other drama, and you you settle into in Gilroy there. Um, you w- were you a little gun shy for a bit? Like, this is cool, really. You guys are cool. You're not gonna pull the rug out from under me. We're not gonna get screwed here in a minute. I was on the phone with Ellie almost every day. <laughs> it was like, it was every phone call. Like, hey man, I'm working over here today. Just please don't like. This is what's happening, or like. Not just because I only me because like I do majority of our behavioral cases and like the personal protection clients my guys usually handle Matt and Lee and Brandon and Henry they handle a lot of the pet stuff so like for me like anytime we would go out I would like I would have to call PD and like hey and they actually got used to me they're like, all right thanks for you know they actually got really happy that we were calling in and then I I mean I love the city of Gilroy I mean they've been nothing but nice to us they've been super accommodating I mean the the police department here has been awesome. Uh, the, I mean, the con or whatever, like the governor here and the mayor, like I've had conversations with them. I did an interview with them. I mean, like everyone's been super, super, super cool. So I'm stoked to be here. I mean, I don't, I don't I, unless I move out of California, I don't think I'll be leaving uh, where we're at now. <laughs> that's really, you know, that's a, something that when we were on your show, we talked about that and it was like a shock to both Eric and I because that is not something that. <laughs> we have to deal with here at all so um another project you have going on is Primal canine university so um kind of in the same vein of um the the drinks and dogs thing um what is pcu about so pcu started years back i want to say four years back where i was getting a lot of requests to do training with people who weren't in the state or even in the country so I just started Primal Canine University. Like there's all these packages they can buy where we did like one hour conversations, like like kind of like this, or like even it's like homework and everything like that. And then right before COVID happened, uh, my my PCU team now, Roman and G, uh, they actually, or Roman uh, first approached me with like, hey, let's start doing courses. And this was about five months, I believe, before COVID hit. <clears throat> and so we started filming specific things in those courses. And it was, you know, it was, oh, it's Primal County University, like, that'll be what it is, like, you know, whatever, like, they'll just be our thing, because everyone else was going to have their own stuff anyways. And then COVID hit. And the team and I met, because we did our war room conversation, and which is like the marketing company that we have. And I just was like, all right, I was like, well, I feel like it's, you know, especially with the quarantine, how serious things got here in California. I was like, I feel like it can be one perspective shown only. Like, I want to make sure, like, people can see other qualified trainers' um, perspectives as well and show, like, 
you know the world so people don't just go on youtube and watch some like dumb like tra- <laughs> dumb trainer on there like let's let's funnel it so it's yeah. gonna be like actually like good training and so i talked to my guys i reached out to some of the trainers that i'm friends with and i was like hey are you like would you be willing to do anything to show your perspective i don't care if i've done it i don't care if you've done it we offered a really uh we offer a very fair split when you purchase like the or purchase them like the trainers get uh and we just kind of ran with it but like it was during covid i wanted to make sure we brought this plan for uh, this platform that people can go ahead and download anytime they want watch it while they're doing whatever listen to it see different perspectives and you know pcu itself although it's parmokina university was made was made essentially to build a, a broader spectrum to like the dog training world and actually provide like really good information to people versus going on the freaking google the the google machine or youtube and seeing whatever positive reinforcement trainers put themselves onto the front one because they're all freaking firm on friendly mm-hmm. I, like it. I like it so like good is it a fluid thing are you like constantly adding content or you you it's going to be a little bit where you're at or how, how does it work you talk to somebody and you're like hey dude would you do uh would you do a thing on our on our pcu how does that work it's fluid i mean it, it's so to be completely like like transparent with you guys I, to me like I, I still don't understand how we got some of the trainers that we got on there um mm-hmm. to do the courses like i'm always kind of like oh shit like you're, you're you want to you want to do the want to do a course here like that's cool like and i for me, it's all fluid. We have 60 plus courses already um, on there and we're continuously building. Uh, we have this new platform that we're releasing here, hopefully by the end of the year, which is going to actually be kind of like the Netflix of dog training, where you'll have education and entertainment on the same platform. So you can actually register in there and be able to watch all the stuff. And we're developing that right right now. Um, and you guys have probably seen it. It's like the Road to Street League, the little docu-series we have from our first Street League seminar that we're just like the teaser people can go on there. Um, but the whole goal with PCU online is to provide like a one-stop shop for dog training, but it's all fun too. But as far as fluidity, I mean, it's, it, it's been, it's been incredibly fluid. I mean, I have a lot of guys who have been weather bound. Um, they can't do the courses because they don't have facilities. And I've had trainers who have been stuck in doing busy stuff, you know, doing the whole pet stuff. And most of these guys are pet trainers. But I mean, I, I consistently film every Thursday. Um, I'm adding a couple more trainers in um, here and then they're going to be filming their courses. And I mean, it, it's going to be it's going to be consistent for a long period of time. And it's always going to be revisions of it because things are going to change. I mean, my, you know, my, you know, my perspective, the way I think is that styles change consistently within the person. So like you're going to consistently you know change and progress and do different things and you can do a revamp of it. And then plus with the streetly exercises, um, I'm sure like Ted, as you know, like being a PSA decoy, like there's different scenarios, different training things going on. So like what we're going to provide on uh, PCU is also like the street league courses to get ready for trial and everything like that as well. And Nesbeth, um, a mutual friend of ours actually is going to be the street league uh, detection uh, head guy. And then, oh, Nino awesome. du- <clears throat> and then, you know, Duarte's going to run the, um freestyle will be so there's lots of lots of fun things coming down the pipeline with that stuff so it's just it's just about creating 
a lot of different perspectives and knowledge and being more positive within the industry. Awesome. Awesome. You know, that's something that needs to be done. Um, because, you know, I think COVID, there was something that was always going on in the background on that. Um, you know, we've had guys try and do that fairly. I mean, I, you know, the first was uh, the first major success was at Frawley, right. With the whole Leerberg series and that kind of thing. And that was, I don't know if this was pre-internet, but it's definitely fucking pre-YouTube and pre, um, Free all that other shit yeah and he brought in you know ellis and michael ellis was our you know 100th interview which is fucking fantastic that guy listen to that you talk about dog training is fucking fantastic so you know and he was um you know he was really kind of like the first uh, like celeb not celebrity but you know what i mean like the first guy that people like was well known that did that whole process with um ed frawley and that whole series that they've done um so you know, and one of our other guests, Ritland, has done a similar version for pet people for uh, with his team dog deal. Um, it's been wildly successful. So um, there is definitely a outlet for that and a need for that. Um, and you know, I keep waiting for hunting guys to do it. Um, there's some fucking badass hunting trainers in the United States uh, that that would benefit massively from that. And you know, um, there's a lot of trainers in every venue that would do. And you know. Uh, Pat Nolan um, and his wife Connie um, have done that with obedience. I mean, watching Connie work obedience and some of their webinar stuff has been fantastic. So, with the advent of COVID, the one thing that has happened is you know we're doing this interview right now. You're in California, I'm in uh, Joe, Oklahoma, and Eric's up in fucking Canton, and we're having this conversation so we can continue to do all of this. Um, you know, and I think that's kind of the next logical step. Uh, there's never be any replacement for like hands-on stuff, and when we start talking about decoy stuff. Um, people are like, Oh, can you do decoy stuff via zoom? And I'm like, mm, I mean, there's still a little bit that is that you gotta like, there's no replacement for displacement, like in drag racing, like there's just no replacement for getting fucking smoked by dogs all day. <laughs> I mean, there's just not like, there's no way around it. I mean, the way that I always say is like, you know, you can watch like, there's no, there's no replacement for getting in the gym and lifting. Like you just, you can't learn through osmosis. So um, but I think, you know, what you're on to is a very important thing. Like you're trying to get people like pointed in the right direction. And like you said, with the advent of the fucking Google machine and YouTube, people are like, Oh, I can put anything up online. And if you read it online, it's true. Everybody knows that. Um, so yeah. Um, so where can, um, everybody find you social media, anti-social media, like where do we, where do we find you guys? So Primal Canine, we're located in Gilbert, California. Um, which is whatever 30 minutes south of San Jose. Uh, online, Primal Canine, or at, at Primal Canine on Instagram. <clears throat> I believe we have a TikTok, but I'm not allowed to use it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my wife told me uh, no more uh, projects. Um, Facebook backslash Primal Canine. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, you know, if you're trying to find me in person, I'm usually at work or up at, you know, the house working these dogs and doing the stuff we're doing. You know, it's pretty consistent and um, PCU online is another thing. Uh, Streetly is a sport that's coming out, hopefully, or the last tri uh, last certifications in April with Ray Allen, our partners over there. Uh, and then Memphis would be the first trial. So that information will be coming out pretty soon here. Uh, but, you know, lots of projects in the work. I mean, there's, I mean, there, there, there's, there's tons and tons and tons of things happening here. I think for Street League, you should 
be required to teach your dog to do a kickflip <laughs> on a skateboard. Yes. Yeah. If if we're putting it in there, you know, street league, you California dudes, pretty good skateboarders. Yeah. Do a kickflip. You and the whole crowd yells it. Do a kickflip, and your dog has to do it right there. Thousand points done. <laughs> you guys are gonna uh, love some of the scenarios. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. Upper well, levels, all hidden suit. That's cool. awesome. I loved having you on, Mike. You know, this business uh, of canine can has a ton of negativity in it, and it's not so much um, outside looking in; it's inside looking around. Right. So, so having people in the business that are doing doing a lot of positive things i've never i'm sure listen everybody has days and things like that but i've never heard and all the times we've talked you just lose it or anything like that you seem to be um you know always forward with with ideas and thinking revenue streams you know people in business you if you've got one you're in trouble and the covid show that to a lot of folks so um being in, innovative i tell matt all the time i go i'm gonna come up with some shit I think I'm pretty creative. I'm going to invent some stuff and I'm going to contact them. Dude, I'm drawing a fucking blank. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we like we have the Rhea, like we have the the Tricos thing, the collar that we designed for them and then sold it off and Ray Allen makes it now, which is super nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Matt tried uh, to hit me with that gigantic weapon of a thing. Yeah, that buckle. <laughs> but boy, you can you can hit that with the buckle on your leash from like seventeen feet away. What? You like know, a cowboy. We we got when we were making those things before Ray Allen made them. We got a fucking video from I'm not gonna say who, but from or from what branch they're from, but from a branch of the military, and they're like, these things are fucking great. They're indestructible, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? And they're using it to pull shit out of a ditch. And then they had they had to use to tie something down in a fucking helicopter, and I'm like, that's oh, not how that shit's supposed to be used, fellas. They're like, no, it's hey. great, it's the same stuff, and I'm like, no. You see, see, you, you're the same way. That's the same thing with you I, in the. I know. The that's armor. why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up because now I, I understand what Matt's going through, and I assume I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't give a shit. So <laughs> I'm still gonna be like, here, hold my beer, give me the thin one, let's do this, and. Nobody's gonna die. So <laughs> decoy yeah. armor and a bathrobe. That's your next video. You need to do. Uh, I can do that. I can do just put home. a disclaimer and he'll be fine. Be like, Uncle Eddie. That Gucci bathrobe, though. It'll be just like Uncle down. Eddie standing out there next <laughs> like, to the fucking sewer saying shitter's full. And next <laughs> to the fucking <laughs> <dog> smashes you. <laughs> yes. That now we have to do it. Alicia's gonna edit this episode and she's literally just gonna look at me and be like, You're gonna have to do that now. I'm like, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna nod and be like, "Okay, yeah, it's fine. Uh, we'll I'll get one of the dogs and we'll, yeah, we'll do it. It's fine." Uh, excellent. So this has been a fantastic episode, Mike. Uh, thanks for coming on. You know, this was one. Also, like we have a super long short list, which sounds ridiculous, but this has always been one that we've wanted to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I super appreciate you coming on, man. It's been awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I I thank you guys, man. I I've been a fan of the show for a long time, and. You know, big supporters of what you guys do with HRD, Working Dog, and like all the Torchlight and Van S stuff, everything. Every time I can get a chance, I like to promote and recommend you guys' stuff and, you know, Working Dog, uh, working dog Dry Goods and everything. So, you know, appreciate for having me on. It's a big honor for me. Um, you know, I, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yep. No problem. All right, brother. We appreciate it. And everybody else, we'll see you soon. Yep. Thanks, everybody. There you guys. You got your reasons. I got my wants 
Graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Dog Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.